crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard this. The sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children." Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the fields. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, and for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she will become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. 
And then the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground ground from which he had been taken. After he drove out the man, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Good morning, church family. Thank you, Wayner family, for that reading this morning. That was so good. I told them before service, I said I couldn't have given you a longer passage to read, um, but it, it, I wanted to get that whole story in there. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been really afraid, like really afraid, where uh, you have chills and you have cold sweats and you're just like super afraid? Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been held at gunpoint? So I was 14 years old, and uh, during the summertime, my brother-in-law owned a flooring store in Florida, and he would uh, usually take me under his wing in the summertime and teach me uh, the art of laying floors, which is an incredibly difficult, hard job. Don't recommend it for the weak of heart. Um, And so every summer I would work because I wanted to earn money to be able to buy clothes for the new school year and and whatnot. And um, this one particular summer, we had a lot of new construction houses going up. And so part of the new construction process is uh, I was a grunt. That was my position, literally. So I would go into homes and I would nail tack strip and lay out the pad and uh, sweep the floors and kind of get them ready so that when the installers would come, they could easily get in there and lay the floor uh, within a couple hours. And so this one house, my brother-in-law dropped me off. It was probably three o'clock in the afternoon. And he said, hey, I have to go check on some other work crews. We had like 20 crews going at once. And he said, so I'm going to leave you here. You're safe. This is a safe neighborhood. Um, you know, you, you, can, you can be here and just get the work done and I'll come back and pick you up. So I said, no biggie. So I kind of left the front door open. I have my music jamming. I'm like nailing away tax strip. Don't hear a thing. And probably a couple hours into it, I hear a car pull into the driveway. And so not thinking anything of it, I'm thinking, all right, this is probably my brother-in-law coming to pick me up. I, uh, I just keep going away. Well, I, I hear a car door not slam, so it's, I'm a little curious. I'm like, okay, normally he would come inside. He'd make himself known. And all of a sudden, I hear a loud, startling voice say, whoever's in there, come up with your hands out. And I'm like, what? What is going on? So instantly, I forget that I'm supposed to be here, and I think that I'm not supposed to be here and that I'm a thief, right? And so I'm panicking. I'm like trying to think, is there a window I can crawl out? Like, what is going on? So I panic. Like, I'm cold sweating. I'm like, oh my gosh. 
I'm, and I could be murdered, who knows? So I walk out to this guy who at this point has a revolver aimed right at my head, right? Don't know if you've ever had a gun pointed at you. It's not a fun experience, right? It's terrifying. So I'm like, hands up. I'm like dripping in sweat. I'm, I think I'm probably crying at this point. I'm like, just what is happening? And so he asked who I am. And I, and I like, for a minute, I forgot who I was. And so I don't even remember my name. And I'm like, uh, 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 uh. and finally I like, I got my name out and he's like, what are you doing in my house? And I said, and, and again, forgot what I was doing. I said, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, what am I doing in your house? <laughs> right? Terrified. And then I collect myself. Meanwhile, keep in mind, gun hasn't stopped being pointed at my head, all right? Terrified. I collect myself and I say, I- I'm Josh. I'm with Johnny Murray Flooring. We're here. We're, we're getting the house prepped. He's like, well, I don't know you and-, and you're a kid. Who knows? You could be vandalizing my home. Little did I know this guy was the owner of the homes that were being built. And he would periodically check on homes because they had, in this particular area, sometimes kids would come in and vandalize them. And, and so I'm pleading with the guy. And at this point in time, we, I don't know if you remember the Nextel phones, the little beep beep phones, right? The little walkie talkies, how annoying was that, right? Be walking through the superstore, people are talking out loud to each other. I'm so happy those are a thing of the past. So I had my Nextel phone and I immediately beat my brother-in-law. Of course, he doesn't pick up the first ring. Why would he? And so I beep him again. I'm like, Johnny, please pick your phone up. And finally he picks up and I said, I, I'm here with the owner. Um, can you please get here? I didn't mention anything at gunpoint, but I said, I need you here urgently. So he gets there. He knew something was off of my voice. My brother-in-law pull, pulls in and keep in mind, this is his boss, right? He's working for this guy. He sees the guy holding a gun at my forehead and he lays into this guy. I mean, for a good 20 minutes. Like, I don't want to repeat the words, but every other word in the book, right? Like lays into him. How dare you? This is a kid. How could you do that? And I left that moment being really afraid, right? Joel last week preached on, uh, on this haunted house idea and how we, sometimes we have haunted house uh, in our own heart, but he particularly gave this story about living in a haunted house, right? I've had some crazy supernatural things, but this was probably the most scared I've ever been. And I tell you this story because I feel like in the Genesis 3 story, Adam and Eve are in this moment of uh, walking with God. They're in perfection. They're in, they're in this beautiful garden where God literally, I don't know if you can imagine this, he walks with humans. Like This is amazing, right? They have everything. And Eve, in a moment, listens to a voice that she shouldn't have listened to, and she forgets who she is. Can I just say this? Fear has a way of helping us forget who we are, right? Fear has a way of crippling us in a moment of desperation where we forget who we are and we turn away, right? It's me in the house. I forgot I was supposed to be there. Eve forgot she was supposed to be there with God, walking in friendship with God in week one of this series, this is the final week of our series, week one, Pastor Jeremy did such a fantastic job presenting uh, this idea of discerning and what, what does spiritual discernment look like in a month that celebrates fear and puts fear on display. <clears throat> 
And then last week, Pastor Joel gave us this brilliant message on these four areas in our life that could be potentially haunted internally and how to deal with those and, and kind of look through them. And so today I want to preach on a topic, to be honest, I have never preached on uh, when I was prepping for this message. I, this has been a message that I've really wanted to preach for a long time, but I've been asking the Lord for the right words. And it's, today's message is going to be on the fear of the Lord. And it's a, I feel like it's kind of oxymoron in a sense, because if you're a follower of Jesus, you probably think to yourself, well, I do fear the Lord. I follow him. That's why I gave my life to Jesus. But I want to unpack the fear of the Lord maybe in a different sense today. And as the Wainer family read this story earlier, I, I want you to, to picture the garden with me, if you can. Use your imagination. I want you to think of this beautiful garden that has this luxurious fruit. It has everything. And the best part is God himself is there walking with Adam and Eve. They have everything. And the Bible says that one day Eve is kind of off on her own and a cunning serpent comes out of nowhere and begins to talk to you. I don't know about you, but if a snake started talking to me, (laughs) I'd probably run the opposite way, right? But she listens. She listens to the serpent, and he begins to plant this fear inside of Eve. You know what the fear is? It's the fear of missing out. He says, why would you want to miss out on this delicious fruit? It would tell you everything. You would be just, the serpent uses these words, you would be just like God. And so Eve listens and she takes of the fruit and eats of it. And then she offers it to her husband, Adam, and they both eat of it. And then all of a sudden their eyes are open. They forget. Fear crippled them to the point of they forgot that they were supposed to be there. And then God himself comes down and it says in the cool of the day, God is walking in the garden. And as he's walking through the garden, he wonders, where is Adam and Eve? This is just my interpretation, my opinion, but I I think probably this was kind of a, maybe a rhythm that God had with them. He would come down and walk with them and tell them things and encourage them. And because, can I just tell you this, from the start all the way to the end in Revelations, God's desire is to be with humanity. God wants to dwell among his people, and he's been longing for that since the beginning, hence why he created us, why he wants to be with us. And and from the fall all the way until the end, it's God's longing to be with his people. Genesis 3.8 says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Now, this is curious to me because these are the same people that were walking with him in friendship probably just days before. They're the same ones who hand in hand walked with God. Adam was there when Eve was created, right? This, like they've seen it and now they're hiding. You know, fear has a way of making us hide. It has a way of concealing things. And I, I want to show you this picture uh, Gustav Dory is, is a brilliant artist who uh, has painted just amazing paintings. And this one, he has a whole series on the Garden of Eden. He has another series on Paradise Lost with the fall of Lucifer. And just really like displays, I, I really think, what this moment must have felt like. And so in this moment, you see Adam and Eve, they're leaving paradise. They're leaving friendship with God. And you see the cherubim as he kind of points them out of the garden. 
You know, something curious to me is even though Adam and Eve chose not to listen to the fear of the Lord and have friendship with God, they chose to listen to the serpent. I love that even outside of the garden, God is still taking care of them. Earlier, you heard it read that God provided garments for them to wear. Don't you know that even in our rebellion, God still takes care of us? He still loves us. Still chooses to clothe us despite of our heart condition. So Adam and Eve leave the garden. They leave this paradise. And I really believe this, that the true meaning of the fear of God, and we're going to kind of unpack this, and it might be a different look at it than maybe what you've been presented with, but I really do believe this is a, this is a lens that we as Christ followers should follow by. Walking in the fear of God means walking in friendship. It means walking hand in hand with the Lord. It means that I'm going to honor him. I'm going to show him all reverence, that he's a holy God, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with him and listen to his ways. If you're taking notes, um, today I have a big idea and I have a one and only point. So if you've heard my sermons before, normally it's a one and only point, but I have a big idea today. And this, the big idea is this, their fear of missing out on the fruit overrode their fear of the Lord, Right? The fear of missing out on something that they should never have even been in overrode their friendship with the Lord. And they chose to befriend the serpent in his ways rather than trusting in God in his ways. And it broke relationship with them. This is what the enemy does when fear of something enters our life, it rattles us to the core of our identity, right? It could be a financial mess that you're in. It could be a sin problem. It could be a friendship problem. It could be a relationship problem. But what fear tends to do, the fear of the world tends to enter into our life, and it paints this scenario for us that sometimes gets us to the point of saying, you know what? I better choose that. Oh man, if I don't, if I don't get the money to pay that bill, instead of saying, God, I'm, I'm trusting in you. You're my provider. You're the one who sustains me. You're the one who helps me through dark days. We trust in the fear of the what if. And in this case, Adam and Eve trusted in the fear of not having knowledge, not having this, this fruit that God said, don't, don't partake of it. You know, it's wild to me. Uh, this, this is how it often works, that in the entire garden, we don't, we don't actually know how big the garden was, but I, I imagine it was a pretty large place. And God said, you just can't eat of this one fruit. And what do they do? They eat the one fruit. It's like, man, if I could just like time portal back and be like, what are you guys thinking? Like you have everything. You have friendship. We wouldn't have to go through these hardships. Israel wouldn't have to go through the desert and be rebellious. Jesus wouldn't have had to, like, what were you thinking? But God had a plan. I love that. God always has a plan, even in the midst of trusting in something rather than trusting in his ways. If you're taking notes, write this down. My one and only point is this. Godly fear is walking hand in hand with the Lord. Godly fear is walking hand in hand with the Lord. I like to, re- to think about um, fear in this friendship method. Like when I met my wife, Becca, one of my like, aims and goals was I really wanted to know her to really understand if this was someone I wanted to be with long term. And so we, we started befriending each other. And, and this is the thing about healthy relationships 
is that healthy relationships begin with knowing the person in an intimate way. That you get to know what they like, what they dislike, what they love, their passions, right? So Becca became my best friend before she ever became my wife. And out of that friendship, now in being married to each other, I have an honor and I have a reverence towards her because I know her. Do you have that same level of intimacy with God the Father? Do you know him? If God came down in this room right now and started looking around, would he recognize your face for being with him on a daily basis? Or would he say, man, man, they haven't been with me in a while. Right? God longs to walk with humanity and godly fear is walking hand in hand with God. It's trusting that his ways are always better. His plan is always better. Better. And so I want to break this down for us. What godly uh, fear is not. So we're going to have these on the screen. What godly fear is not, it's not punishing, right? God is not in the business to smite you and punish you and make you have a horrible day. I promise you. He loves you. It's not tormenting, right? He doesn't want to just torment you. He doesn't want to just, uh, just release the hounds of heaven against you, right? Like he doesn't want to torment you. It's not misleading, right? The serpent was misleading. God's fear is not misleading. Never leads us down the wrong path. It's never overlording. Like God is, is, doesn't want to lord his fear over your life. It's not destructive. It's not deceiving. We could, we could say all those things about the enemy. The enemy longs to punish us. He longs, man, to torment us. He wants to mislead us. He wants to lord his kingdom over us. He is destructive and deceiving. God's not. And so what is godly fear? If you could throw up the next one. Godly fear is loving. It's honoring. It's a friendship. It's truth. It's wisdom. It's holiness. Right? It's living a life of integrity and, and learning that, uh, what the things that God loves and, and participating in those things and saying, God, I want to align my life in a way that I know you as friend so that I can know you as father. It's trusting in him. I don't think we can honor a living God if we don't have trust in him first. And if we can't see that his ways are better. I, you know, I grew up in a, in a church culture that when, when the fear of God was presented, it was almost presented in a way that was very uh, lording, meaning that, um, that the fear of God is this, you better not ever approach God's throne. He might smite you down, that kind of culture. And it turned me away from the Father because I realized I don't want to be that. that if, if I'm reading this thing correctly, I don't see that in this book. I see a God who is relentlessly chasing humanity, who loves humanity, and yes, he is a holy God. I am not, for a moment, saying, man, we shouldn't approach his throne with honor, with reverence, with holiness. He is. But he's also a loving father who longs to be friends with us. And so, for our next moments together, I want to unpack this a little bit more. And so, how do we walk in godly fear? Number one, if you're taking notes, is we seek friendship with him. The psalmist has so many beautiful examples of the fear of God and what it looks like. In Psalms 25, 14, it says, The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to him. I love the message translation. It says it best. It says, God friendship is for God worshipers. 
They are the ones he confides in. I love that. God friendship is for God worshipers. God wants to to be friends with us. We want to experience that level uh, to the core. We want to know his ways. Uh, In Florida, uh, I have a precious um, older couple uh, named Rod and Cece, and they've been mentors for Becca and I over the years and just have supported our ministry relentlessly and have loved us really well. And Rod and Cece love to hike. And so one day, Rod invited me on a hike in Florida. And hiking in Florida is is a whole nother level because there's mosquitoes, there's 100-degree weather, there's snakes, alligators, you name it. So it's just different. Um, and so we hiked through a marsh, and it was a pretty difficult hike, um, you know, kind of traversing through some, some trails that hadn't been walked on before. And so as we're hiking and, and going along, I started to know things about um, Rob that I had never known before. Like, I had known him for years, but I would never really known him to this level. And it turns out, like, Rod's cousin is Tom Petty, and uh, just all these really cool facts about him. And so we, we were just talking and, and becoming friends. Right? If I would have been walking that day with Rod, I don't know if I would have ever got to know him to that level. My question to us today is, are we walking with the Lord in friendship in such a way that we're knowing more about him daily? That we're, we're learning to love the things that he loves and knowing things that provoke us. This is godly fear. Number two, is we seek to have an undivided heart. I think for a lot of us, just like Adam and Eve, there's this moment of division that comes in and their heart is divided, whether they should trust God and his fear or whether they should trust on the fear of missing out on the fruit. In Psalms 86, 11, it says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart. Watch this, this last part, that I may fear your name. As a believer, we must have an undivided heart. Right? If our heart has any form of division in it, the king can inhabit and have the throne of our heart. And I don't believe he wants it. He, God says, listen, I want all of you. I don't want just 90% of you. I want all of your life. I want to know you. I want to have your heart position because it's in the heart of us that flow all things, the Bible says. We must have an undivided heart. We must give our attention to him. And so maybe a question for you to think on this week is what's grabbing your attention? What, what has the most of your attention? Is it your job? Is it, is it your marriage? Is it, uh, is it your finances? Is it a sin issue? What's grabbing your attention? And then the second follow-up question is, is that causing my heart to be divided? Because I believe if it's causing our heart to be divided, we must then ask the Lord, Lord, help me to overcome this thing. Give me insight, give me wisdom that I may walk in your ways. Number three is we seek his instruction. Man, this is big. This is big in a time and day where we trust more in our own intellect than we do the spirit of God to lead us. We must trust in his instruction to lead us. Proverbs fifteen thirty three. it says, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord. That's not like point blank, right? The proverb gives us this, and humility comes before honor. 
When I used to do flooring, I was young and dumb and, and just kind of like wanted to do things my own way. I was a teenager. So a lot of times I would find myself like not listening to the instruction my brother-in-law would give me and instead trying to follow my own ways. So I would think I could get the, the tax strip nailed faster by hammering a certain way. And he would always coach me and say, Josh, it's not the way you do it. If you do it like this, the job is going to be better. And if you follow this way, I promise you it's going to turn out. And so we'd get in these bickering arguments because I would want to do it my way. And finally, I realized my way is actually not a good way. He's been doing it, you know, 25 years. He knows what the good way is. And I think the more we follow after God, the more we learn that his instruction is always better than our instruction. His instruction is always better than the earthly wisdom that we have. It doesn't mean that we can't have people in our life like mentors and counselors to help walk through life with us. I think that's vital and important, but it just simply means, is God's instruction the first thing that I seek? It's part of having godly fear. Lastly, number four, is we seek to hate evil. In a month that parades and celebrates evil at a whole nother level, I think it's important that evil doesn't just come in the form that's right in front of us, like Halloween or demonic things or horror movies. Sometimes evil is in our thoughts. Sometimes evil is in our words that come from our mouth. And I know the word hate is kind of a strong word here, but I I believe that the Lord is trying to get our attention by saying, hey, There's things that you need to dislike, that you need to hate in order to truly know me, to know my fear, to know my friendship. Proverbs 8, 13, it says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. It says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. That's not like, again, I feel like sometimes when I read the Bible, I'm like, it's, it's this oxymoron kind of like, duh. Like he's, he's like writing it point blank. But oftentimes I don't find myself following in that. I find myself sometimes aligning myself with evil and trusting in ways that I shouldn't trust in. As Eve trusted in the serpent who was fallen, who was stricken, who Honestly, I'm like, why is he even here? But he's there. And he persuades Eve to trust in the evil thing. He gives her the fear of missing out. He says, if you would just eat of the fruit. What's the evil thought that maybe is coming into your mind that's convincing you out of your destiny? Convincing you out of the plan that God has for your life? Convincing you out of friendship? with him. Adam and Eve fell for the trap. Maybe it's time that we start asking the Lord the things that he doesn't like. Becca and I have this, um, this, this kind of, I, I won't say policy, because that sounds a little uh, formal, but just something that we've chosen to follow a um, num- number of odd years ago. We started, and, and I want to I preface it before I even tell this story, that we walk in such a way that we believe personal conviction is everything, right? Personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so I would never lord my convictions over you. I would just say, what is the Lord speaking to you? But a number of years ago, Beck and I 
started celebrating Halloween and we would throw these, these big Halloween parties at our house. And um, I grew up in a home uh, in a day and age where my mom hated Halloween, so I never did Halloween. And I wish I could have listened to my mom a little bit more. So we started celebrating Halloween and didn't think anything of it. And uh, we had thrown this Halloween party that was just a little dark at our house. And when everyone left that night, I remember feeling the fear of the Lord literally enter the home. And I remember specifically the Lord saying, why are you parading around in things that I hate? And it humbled me. I broke down on the floor that night and I was sobbing. I, didn't, I was like, God, I never want to like unplease your heart. I'm so sorry for doing this. And for, so for two weeks, the Lord, in a sense, haunted my life. He was trying to grab my attention. He said, this is something you shouldn't be partaking in. And uh, Beck and I sat down and I said, babe, we've spent hundreds of dollars on this stuff. I think it's time for it to go. And we got a trash bag and we threw it all away, left it by the curb, garbage guys picked it up. And from that moment on, we have chosen not to celebrate Halloween, not because, again, not because we're two goody two-shoe Christians and that's what Christians do. We've said, this is something the Lord has got our attention with, something that he hates for our life. So we're not going to do it. If it has the appearance of evil, we're not going to do it. If it looks evil and talks evil, we're not going to participate in it. Why? Because we live in a culture in a day where the enemy, I promise you, just as in the garden, he is just as cunning as uh, back then as he is today. He is longing to persuade the church out of their relationship with the Father. And if you give ear, you'll be just like Adam and Eve who... I'm sure we're heartbroken to be leaving the place that they had found such wholeness. One day, church, we'll be with him in that place. We'll be able to be in that glory and we'll be able to, to sense probably what Adam and Eve felt, that, that wholeness. And so I wanna challenge us today. I wanna challenge us with these questions just for you to think on in your prayer life this week is number one, is to ask the Lord what he desires for your life, right? What does he desire? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever said, God, what do you actually desire for me? What are you looking for in my life? And number two is to ask the Lord what walking in friendship looks like. Maybe you need to know him as friend. Maybe you've known him as a lording person who wants to torment you. And can I just say, throw that horrible theology out. It's time to know him as friends. It's time to know him as father, as someone who loves you, who has a plan and a purpose for your life. And the follow-up to that question is, what do you need to unlearn to relearn? What do you need to unlearn? Is there some habits that you've created in your worship of God that have caused you to walk in an unhealthy fear rather than a healthy fear? Could we stand to our feet? We invited the worship team back up to go into that last song we say today, give me Jesus, because I think it's a prophetic declaration to us as a church that when the world is trying to throw all these things in our face, that Jesus is here to say, would, would you give me your attention? Would you just give me Jesus? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go back into that song. Father, thank you for your presence that's here, Jesus. We thank you that today 
all unhealthy fear has to leave in the lives of your people. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that people today would be able to walk in true friendship with you, that they would know your ways, that they would walk in your ways, Father, that we would no longer listen to the lies about who you are. You are a good, good Father. You have a purpose for our life. You love us and you want to restore what was lost. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus is the portion that none of us could pay. Thank you for sending him to be able to restore relationship. Would we today walk in godly fear? Would we walk in sound wisdom for our life? Would we listen to you, Holy Spirit, to lead us? Could we truly just want you, Jesus? Give us you. Allow us to trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, let's continue to worship.